Welcome to Triskelion. At the time of the Selarthro invasion of the planet colony of Selacris, the Rakal interstellar civilization was comprised of several thousand independently ruling congregations, drifting in and out of loose confederations always proximate to their theology and which creedal truths they felt they shared with their neighboring congregations. The Rakal species have a newfound unity. The cause of this unity are twelve princeling, born as described in Triskelion 03, a Rakal birth. They are now coming of age. The twelve had claimed to inherit authority, as each was prophesied to be the foundation for a new congregation. The Rakal internecine shuffling of these twelve princes among the ruling priesthoods within the congregations relegated the princes to a figurehead status. As they neared adulthood and the age of consent, their profiles had been examined and laundered among the Rakal intelligentsia, with the unspoken fear that with great ability came great ambition. Each of the twelve was therefore pampered and given the best the congregations had to offer. In turn, the twelve princelings were goodwill ambassadors, ribbon cutters, and while promised glory, they were kept firmly outside the congregation's altar rails. Today, a young princeling experiences firsthand the result of the Cell Arthro descent upon planet Selacris. Planet Selacris, population less than one million estimated, woven and humans currently in diaspora. Civilization rating two, formerly nine. Triskelion 12, Whirlpool. Ambassador, we're approaching the first mortuary mound at 2 o'clock. This should be over in 45 minutes. I, I mean, we'll be arriving at our w w welcoming ceremony. I mean, memorial. The pilot stammered and turned back to his controls. I looked up at the squat human pilot in the cramped pilot's cabin as our personnel shuttlecraft zipped across the dead continent on colony planet Salacris. Did I say squat human? Well, really, all humans are squat. That wasn't fair. It wasn't fair that they all smelled deceitful, duplicitous, and sly. Just as it wasn't fair to blame him for being ill-prepared for this flight. My pilot wore the blue Unity badge on his hat and coat. The stitching over his United States Space Force uniform was hasty. Like everything about Unity. Ugh, my recall drone-sized frame was squeezed against the sides of the chair. As one of only twelve founder caste children born this generation, I possessed all the characteristics of the three recall castes, the strength and speeds of the physic castes, and the concentration powers of the psychs, and the size of the drones. That, and as an acknowledged founder, that made me a princeling of the congregations destined to rule. And so, I was outfitted with all the best our stagnant interstellar empire had to offer. Apparently, my genetics were a sufficient qualification to be the Rakhalian ambassador to the single largest horror Unity had ever witnessed. I looked past the plexiluminal floorboard to the ground rolling past a hundred meters below, and sneezed to expel the dust in the cabin and to wrench my mind from this. The human pilot wasn't bothered. To recall, a sneeze carried a concomitant aversion. The reflex was tied to an antipathy, an expulsion, to whatever situation we found ourselves in. But I could not expel this horror with just a sneeze. Despite all this oh-so-wondrous technology, unity against the Selarthro did little good for Selacris, and I could do nothing to make this month never happen. And this month, 95% of the human and woven populations on the colony planet Selacris had been wiped out. 
Slackers had been the pride of the humans and the woven. This cataclysm had been too large for our recalling congregations to ignore. So my mega-congregation <laughs> had sent me as an ambassador to this horror. I was the one founder who had no schemes like my eleven founders had. I was ruled to explain. <laughs> I didn't care about them. How could anyone, not a sociopath, think, care, of anything but the sight below me now? So monstrous it blotted out any thought. Who wanted to rule a universe with such horror? Not I. Let them be eleven kings and eleven elves. If Colony Salacris is reality, I want no part in ruling reality. The once green landscape now burbled mud shades and gray, arthropoid billions of little arthropoid diaphanous, almost translucent skeletons where the flesh and fecal matter had sloughed off in the feeding frenzy for the remaining biomass. Who knew what gestated beneath the abattoir now? That summation of the planet as abattoir, the mechanics of death. That was the appalling part that such devastation could be orchestrated, or even conceived, bent my spirit crooked. The cell arthro were a multiplicity of variegated insectoid species. They didn't come down the evolutionary tree as a single dominant, like the woven humans or my own recall. How, then, could they unify into such an engine of utter waste? Cell Arthro's birth planet yielded several, perhaps dozens, of insectoid species that lived together that became their own obscene, harmonious, cannibalistic unity. Something was dreadfully wrong with the Cell Arthro. They parasitically infested other races and puppeteered their technology, but for all their variety, their sturdiness, they were hideously broken, malicious to no point, nihilists that could not even communicate. They were the opposite of what it meant to be Rokalian founder. They plummeted into the atmosphere of New Salacris with an intent beyond my comprehension, beyond any rational speculation. How could there be a point? There was nothing left. Not even the Cell Arthro themselves. The Cell defied nature, choosing an orgiastic suicide over survival. I refused to pummel the window again as we continued our fly over the plain of skulls whatever it once was called. Now it was nothing but the husks of Cell Arthro. The skeletal remains represented their final will and testament of the Cell Arthro as their mutation devoured themselves in cannibalistic orgies having exhausted the biomass. Satellites had captured all, while retreating armies couldn't retreat fast enough to outrace contamination. There was too much chaos in the wreckage to get an accurate count. Whole continents were now like this brown and gray flyover. We were flying at a leisurely Mach 2, but the skeletons never surrendered the landmass. More and more, ever on and on. No trees, no grass, dry patches of sloughed off detritus between the mounds of skeletons. Not woven, or human skeletons. They had been consumed by the variety of cell arthropods by their weirdly herding instinct across the continent. The Arthur evolved, or birthed, or mutated into different species, all eating each other, all consuming, until at last there were innumerable half-meter oblong bug-like things that raged and finally ate themselves into extinction. An entire planet's biomass withered away in a devouring futility. The little shuttlecraft jumper bucked and heaved. 
I was glad to have anything break my thoughts. After memory came hate, and I had been tired of hate long before the Silarthro. I was tired of hate, but I could not, not hate what I saw below me. I winced. My serpent's tongue tasted the smell of ozone and burnt circuit boards. I sniffed my shoulder and collar area where my cybernetics were housed, but nothing. It wasn't me. A, a strained whistling erupted from the left rear intake? That's not good. I called to the pilot. Oi, squat! Uh, Colonel Peterson, what's our status? Calling him squatty wasn't going to help. He turned to face me. I didn't think humans came in that shade of pale. He said, Ambassador, Gora, uh, Gora... Gorababadurum, I helped him with my name. Most cobbled it together after a few tries. But we didn't have time for niceties. Just get to the point, I growled. He nodded, relieved to be off the hook trying to pronounce my name. Ambassador, the intakes are working at 20% efficiency and dropping. Ship predicts engines will cut out in 15 seconds. What? Why? We could make interstellar vessels, but bleeding air filters for atmospheric ships could still be faulty? I can try and land this thing, or yak at you. Not both, Ambassador. The ship heaved, worse this time. It was blasphemous to blame anyone, when all lived with the reality below. Death was the natural order. Death was everywhere. The recall had eleven others. The congregations would prefer to rule before me anyway. Salacris proved the universe was death. I was also mortal. Was it just the situation or the wealth I drowned in? The opulence running headlong into this desolation? My life and the situation were poor. Poor bipolar. Peterson monkey gibbered at me. Damn bug shell particles in the atmosphere, clogging the intakes. Peterson always tried to be helpful. I called forward, focus on your flying, Peterson. The cell author were death sabotage. My universe never knew death, not like this. I grew up in the privilege of 40 to 12 princes in a billion-plus interstellar civilization. Now, I'm going to die surrounded in sterility. And Salacris was death. No amount of breeding or privilege could change the frost that suddenly descended on my heart with icy anxiety. Rage screamed in my mind. I don't want to die. Talons fumbled with the straps as I buckled myself in. Fortunately, the technology saved me, and the straps auto-tightened around my massive Vercalian drone cast frame. Peterson shouted back, Impact in three, two! A high-pitched whine spiraled up the scale to pierce my mind, waking me in pain. Not the intake. We aren't moving. We, we aren't in the air anymore. Oh my god, we're on Selacris. My skull felt like it was bleeding. Damn human ship tolerances weren't spec for drone-sized recall. Some damn circuit was smoking and emitting that high-pitched whine. Got to... What? Hard to think. Unstrap. Ah, the hard taste in the air. I called out to my pilot. Peterson! We got to get out of the ship! We must not stay on the ship. We must not stay on Salakras. Even through the smoke, I tasted human feces and blood. Not good. Time served as Ambassador Unity made that all too familiar to me. I muttered, too sad, too disgusted to hold the pain in. Ah, Peterson, you squat toad. You didn't secure your straps. Left arms mangled and head lolling in a way human heads don't loll. May the one above all take pity on you, little broodling. Who knew what Peterson believed, but he died trying to save our lives. I doubt it matched the congregational worship my recall priests nattered on about. Yet he deserved a blessing, and, and you weren't a toad, Peterson. 
With Peterson dead and the synthetic smoking, there was nothing left but to get out. An explosion was unlikely given the quantum reactor was not volatile, but some of the chemicals were poisonous. I could smell it and feel the burn down the inside of my throat. Move, move, I said to no one. My heart was pounding, my tongue lolled out. My jaw autonomically forced itself open, and my saurian tongue rolled out 40 centimeters extending downward to lap at the cooler air. So hot and stifling, damned slack. Something crunched under my boots. The air was thin, acrid. I had to get away from the ship. The high-pitched wine was joined by more smoke. Vertigo was touching the edge of my mind, adding an extra layer of disorientation. What the hell am I walking on? I looked down. Skulls. Little thin cell arthro shells, no larger than children still in the crush. As soon as I thought of my people's crushes, my eyes were forced to drink in these mounds, these trash heaps of skeletons. I knew it was a mistake to think of my people, my children. As a founder, was this all I could offer? Horror? My recall. Never come to Salacris, never see this, never. That the recall existed in the same universe as this tomb amid the remnants of what had been devoured, self-devoured. Their dead ate their dead. Oh God, spare my recall. I don't have to look. I am a prince. I don't have to do anything. The satellites tracked everything on this tomb world. The Unity fleet would be dispatching a rescue shuttle from some military base or suborbital platform to rescue me. I didn't have to look. But to do nothing was to surrender to the madness of Selacris. To agree that Selacris was the working of the universe. My own perversity dominated even my love for my people. What am I that I feel compelled to look on? To antagonize this horror? Do I take this on myself to protect my people from this? To fight? Someone has to know. I should simply shut my eyes and wait for rescue. Peterson had slammed the shuttle into the side of the hill. The force of the crash had been distributed by the dampers, but not enough for him. I refused to think he was lucky. I had no more surety of luck or curse in this world. I freely admitted the immensity of Salacris dwarfed my judgment down into a pinhole of absurdity. The hill was a hill of skulls. They looked like molten skins, so fragile, but so many, so many that they blotted out the land. The acrid air all around me had not been the ship, but the chemical slough of this eternal abattoir that stretched and stretched beyond my sight. According to my briefing, this area had been a lush rainforest. Now the air was thin and moist and acrid from the vapors seeping from the sterile muck beneath the bone. I was surrounded by the hill of skulls. Everywhere I looked, diaphanous skeletons, carapaces, legs, claws, appendages I could not identify. It was so immense, I felt myself sinking into the sloth beneath the light skulls. I have to move. I have to move, if only to separate myself from the stillness surrounding me, suffocating me. It's so hard to breathe when nothing breathes around you. Nothing at all. All my attention had been on Peterson and the doomed ship. I want to just wait. I am alone. I retracted my tongue inside my jaw. Else I was hot with this acrid air. I swear it was forming a viscous film on my tongue. I'd rather suffer heat stroke than expose my insides to this air. Despite my earlier resolution, my eyes had shut down. I stood as if I were paralyzed and both my eyelids in mercy had slid over my eyeballs. Even that little respite, that attempt to block out the horror, could not comfort me. As the darkness blotted out my sight, so then... My perverse mind conjured the bones, swallowing me whole. My psych-cast mind, only enabling the horror all the more, reason paled against reality. The smells I could in no way block, and the dry wind whispering and sometimes howling through the skeletons filled my ears. 
Without the firmness of sight, I felt myself being tugged into the sloth beneath the skulls. I fought a hideous urge to lie down. A whimper burst from my throat. That perverse urge jolted me, shocked me with its horror. I must move. Oh God, I almost stumbled. Would I get up again? Would I sink beneath this detritus? Where was that damn shuttle? Thump it a thump it a thump, so my heart's pounded. Adrenaline fury coursed through me. No, no, it makes it worse. My imagination is killing me. I must move. My heart slowed and I could think. I could think and see. Time, even a little bit of time, without some new horror assaulting my brain, brought me off the peak of fear. This was just death. Not deadly, just death. Riding an inert sloth of digested matter of what composition, I could not guess. Billions of skeletons, that's all. They could not rise up and strike me. However, my attempts to soothe myself with reason only made it worse. My rational mind was too small, too pathetic. Once again, I had stopped still and felt the pull of the skulls upon me. Was I literally sinking? Was I literally sinking underneath the skull? Would I drown in this strange detritus? Was I the only living thing on Salacris? Was I the lone voice left to shout contradiction against the madness of this mass of world-consuming death? Senseless madness shook in the cold. I wept. Once again, I forced my eyes into the fading light, and a new assault began. It was not on a hillside. The shuttle was now about 50 feet above me. Had I only stumbled so far? Only 50 feet? I had almost made no progress at all. And anyway, where was I even headed? How much time had passed? So hard to think. I think I'm bleeding. I was not on a hillside. I was on the side of a whirlpool made of bones. Surely 600 meters wide. The bones surrounded me. I was halfway down a hollow crater of bones. The chromatoma in my skin rolled purple in panic. An outward shock at the realization that I was surrounded. And at the same time, utterly alone and cold. Oh, cold. My God, my God, where did I land? What would be at the bottom? What was making that sound? Was it really just the wind through the bones? Skulls and bones cracked under my boots. The pull downward grew monstrous. My bruised brain, knowing this landscape resembled some hideous whirlpool, insisted my body follow my vertigo. Moving was still better than sinking down underneath the alien dead. Yet I could not look at the bottom. A mad presentiment filled me at the thought of that destination. It crept into the edges of my thought. Where is that damn shuttle? My voice did not echo off the bones as one might expect. I could not stop. I could not move other than down toward my destination. I did not want presentiment. I am not a prophet. I am not an esper. My cybernetics were no ghost in the machine. Just crude nanobolts, filaments, and nanites. Yet the presentiment of otherness grew until it was an asphyxiating shroud. It had the force of a singularity, not some vague horror of blighted salacris as it had been moments before. This was new, and my presentiment was simply this. I was not alone. My legs no longer obeyed the force of my will. Whose will did they obey? Thankfully, they kept me upright on the spongy, delicate, skeletal structures that sank and bobbed upon the detritus. My legs carried me down as the thin skulls collapsed under my boot. I was a founder. A prince, all the genetic advantages of every recall cat, the psych's mental gifts, the physics' physical gifts, and even the drone's simple stamina. My eleven siblings and I, the future uniters of thousands of disparate, sometimes violent recall congregations. I was to be one of the twelve great fathers, not some campfire cowed, crash-bound child. But despite my will, even despite my perversity, I could not look at the pit of the whirlpool where she waited. She, she. Why did my poor mind come up with she? There was nothing there. A coal void, a wind blowing through the paper-thin skulls of the nadir. She 
a perversion of motherhood, a spider's she, this skull whirlpool, her web. What clue has slipped around the vertigo into my bleeding brain? Where is that shuttle? No wonder Salacris was a doomed planet. Unity could do nothing against those suicidal insects. Yes, insects. Do not deny what they are by calling them cell arthro, or calling them insectoids, as if a suffix could take away the inherent alien insect efficiency of the swarm. No shuttle. Not even close. I could hear nothing but the wind and the skulls. Unity was feckless. Unity was worthless. Unity was broken. This world was broken. My legs stumbled forward and down without my consent, as if I were eager for a confrontation with what squatted below the muck. As I descended, the shadows lengthened, calling me further, covering me in a deeper dark. Sorry, Peterson. You weren't worthless, just dead. You shouldn't have left me alone. I must be getting close to the pit now, the bottom of the whirlpool. Was a parasite in my mind now? Was it all just a trick of the mind? Could anything be alive in this sterile muck? I was so cold. Night had arrived, and so the cold. My eyes had been closed for so long. My body was falling asleep as my heart labored against the cold. I was stripped bare by the cold. Defenseless. I slowly sank. I knew, even though I could no longer will my eyes to open in the center of this horror, that I was finally at the bottom of the bone whirlpool. For the first time, the alien impulse dominated me. I was at the center of death. My legs had nowhere to go. The focus of all planet Salacris bore down on me, on this one pit at the bottom of a whirlpool of bones. I was the final sacrifice. I slowly sank into the cold detritus. It leached my body warmth ravenously. Let there be an end. Let the cold shut down my mind. Escape the horror. All reality was broken. Wolven recall human and most of all, the damned cell arthro. My perversity would not let that stand. Suicide was the cell arthro way, not the recall. The cold was always our ancient enemy. The cold drove deeply into my body and I kicked limply, but in defiance all the same, with the dregs of my strength. Something, some phantom pain from the deeps of the whirlpool harassed my submerged legs, which should have long since become numb. What should have been horrifying was somehow in my vertigo and in this frost anesthetizing, a deeper cold, deep like outer space. How could there be anything below the bottom, my fevered mind wondered. My boot buckle clicked against something more solid than the membranous skulls. Bright lights, as if the heavens had opened up, shined down upon me, and something gold caught the light from above and glittered next to my boot. Jewelry! The strong presentiment of a queen of the dead in the bottom of this concentration of death, with this her egg of gold. A small oblong star chart. The unity ladder descended, telescoping all the way down to me at the bottom of the pit. Strong mechanized arms pulled at me. My boots grabbed the orb. I kicked and flipped the orb to my free hand. But she, spider-like, clung to my boots, as if wanting this treasure back. Dead slackers clung to me. I kicked at her and was rewarded with that crunching sound. In the end, her strength was of a different character than soldiers in armor whose servos whirled and hoisted my broken frame from cold Salacris's ephemeral grasp. My frozen body was assumed into the Unity Shuttle. No one can tell me that Salacris is dead, or else the dead do not stay dead.
my body escaped. Whenever I walk, wherever I walk, the crush of skulls. Now Selacris is always with me. That sound of my defiance shall never leave me. The universe is broken in war with powers I cannot understand. But I have been to the bottom and broken her grasp and taken what is hers. Her secret is mine now, vomited forth from beneath the bottom of that whirlpool of death. I felt her whisper. A chilling, deadening malevolence was now inside me, the parting gift of doomed Selacris. I could no longer look innocence in the eyes again, poisoned by the reality that is Selacris. I am no longer fit to be among them. But hunt? Yes. Hunt I could do for them, and I welcome the contest. I am a prince, and I will follow this fight to the end for my people.